Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hour of OutKick 360 on this Thursday. Chad Withrow with Paul Kuharski alongside. Jonathan Hutton will be back on Monday. British Open underway at St. Andrews, the old course in Scotland. It looks like all but maybe two groups are done for the day. Uh, there's two groups maybe still on the course right now, which um, isn't like 10 p.m. in Scotland. I, I feel like it should be it's, over. I, I, Long over. I see three people that are on the 18th right now. Robert Dinwiddie is on the 18th, and uh, two other players are, are still on the course apparently. I, I don't know how because I think it's a six-hour difference, and uh, it should be 10 p.m. right now in uh, – in Scotland. Either way, your leaderboard looks like this. Cameron Young, the American, is leading the way at eight under par. Great first round. Rory McIlroy, who was the fan duel favorite, betting favorite coming in at six under par. Cameron Smith at five under. You've got a huge group at four under par, including Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler, and Taylor Gooch. So a couple of the live tour guys in that group at four under. Ian Poulter. At three under par, Bryson DeChambeau, another live tour guy at three under par, done for the day. Xander Shoffley, who's been red hot, is at three under par. Further down the list, Patrick Cantlay is at two under. Webb Simpson at one under par. Phil Mickelson is at uh, even par through his first round. Jordan Spieth, one under. Louis Oosthuizen, another live tour guy, one under par. Colin Morikawa. Even par through round one. Shane Lowry, a former British Open champion at even par. And you ask, where is Tiger Woods? He is not anywhere not on, on this list. leaderboard you're seeing right now because he has finished at plus six. So Tiger Woods, not looking good for him to make the cut at St. Andrews at the British Open. Uh, John Daly, by the way, plus one alongside Brooks Kepka. Also at plus one for the tournament. Sunset, Colin informs us, is 9.54 in Scotland. So it should be dark right now. If I've got my time my time zones right, maybe it's five hours ahead and not six. I, I don't know. Either way, there's still a couple players out on the course. That's, somehow, I like that sunset time. Somehow, some way, I would accept that. There are some players out on the course. Um, news we relayed to you earlier uh, with the Freddie Freeman saga with his agent Casey Close, his agent who Freddie Freeman fired because, as Doug Gottlieb reported claiming that he wasn't let in on the final offer from the Atlanta Braves. So Freeman fired his agent. Casey Close has now sued Doug Gottlieb for libel, alleging in a complaint that Gottlieb defamed him and Excel Sports Management in a tweet regarding the contract negotiations of Freddie Freeman. Some more details are out. This is courtesy of Jeff Passan at ESPN. Uh, into that lawsuit from Casey Close and to uh, suing Doug Gottlieb. Uh, the complaint details a timeline of Freddie Freeman negotiations. Again, you got to show the proof of what exactly happened or the truth of what happened. 
details the timeline. This suit alleges tens of millions of dollars in damages from Casey Close. I mean, I'm sure it's hurt him. Uh, and I, I don't doubt that it's hurt him and it's hurt him, you know, significantly. But the guy's reputation has to, in the business, has to be better than can be hurt by Doug Gottlieb. I think it would hurt him with new new people who, who don't know him. Um, but, you know, I, they're going to have to get to the bottom of what exactly exactly did happen. And it sound, I, I would think it's going to be a he said, he said matter. Freddie Freeman doesn't believe he was told the whole story and fired him, which doesn't look good for Casey Close. Well, and Casey uh, Close says he, he did tell him everything. And in this lawsuit, Casey Close also alleging that he's received death threats since the news came out uh, about this. People are idiots. With uh, I, I didn't know Braves fans went that hard, to be honest with you. That kind of surprises me that Braves fans would be threatening the life. It uh, shouldn't surprise me that you know anyone in any walk of life is an idiot now, but that kind of surprised me. When I saw that, I think so death that's threats get thrown around for virtually anything now. Great, we can be grateful that uh, very few of them are are uh, serious. It seems. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly uh, unfortunate. Um, Paul, by the way, I thought about you because you and uh, Dan Dockich had your back and forth yesterday uh, on our show about Lamar Jackson, and then um, signed off. I know Dan was going to ask you on. You had something going on this morning. So I came on with him. I was at the dentist. And it, it, was, it was like Dan so badly wanted to interview you about he the Titans that he just like, like he brought me. in the same plan. And it was just all, all Titans, uh, all AFC South. But he did ask some, some good questions about you know, the division and the way things stand now in the AFC South. And uh, we spent so much time talking about quarterback upgrade and places that are going about upgrading at quarterback, Carolina being one of them with Baker Mayfield, or not. Seattle is the example, who's staying put with Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke. Um, that I feel like the Matt Ryan news, Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, is just so such old news at this point. Um, how much of an upgrade old. are we looking at, at quarterback in Indy when you, when you see that, that situation? Well, I think your week-to-week consistency is going to be better. You know what to expect. And uh, I think the idea of a dog, an uh, absolute dog of a game is probably going to be much rarer in Indianapolis. Um, he's going to get rid of the ball. You know, he has a statue back there, which is, is his biggest problem. He's going to get rid of the ball better. Um, but I, I think it's an upgrade, but, you know, it's an upgrade to a Ryan Tannehill level. Those two are pretty close. I talked to scouts when when it was acquired, and and the the two that I talked to the most um, and who I trust the most told me they'd give an edge to Tannehill based on mobility and youth, um, and that that's uh, I, I tend to align with that. But you know how much better is Matt Ryan than um, than Carson Wentz? I mean, I think the Colts really come out of it smelling like a, a rose, considering that it looked like there were going to be zero options for them to get better than Carson Wentz and that they got out of that trouble pretty nicely. Um, so I think if, if Ryan stays healthy, they're better. I don't like his weapons. I don't think they do enough for him at, at wide receiver there. Um, and, and that's my biggest objection to the Colts. I'm almost done with this Andrew Luck podcast by The Athletic. I'm in episode six, and it's six episodes long. I'm interested long. to hear more about this. 
I just think if you're a Colts fan, I would recommend you stay the hell away. Like, why do you want to relive this thing? Uh, to me, uh, it's taken me back to stuff that I don't remember that well, and I cover the division, and I'm thinking, you know, and he just finished the season that was like the comeback from the lacerated kidney and the thing, the year they beat the Titans in game 17, week 17 to get into the playoffs, and things are pretty good. And now it's about to go to hell again. He doesn't play again. And I'm thinking, why would you want to relive this if you're a Colts fan when you're just kind of finally maybe in a place where things go back to some semblance of normal? I wouldn't want to, to, no matter how good a history lesson and how good a piece of journalism this may be, I I wouldn't have wanted to get into it at all. Did did you tell me that, I hope I'm not making this up, but I feel like you told me that uh, Andrew Luck met with the people doing the podcast, but for a, a couple of hours, but nothing on the record. Andrew all Luck the record. sat down with Zach Kiefer at a coffee shop for ninety minutes for this, but it was all off the record. <laughs> Which you know, I know, I understand you're laughing background. at it. But, it's all on background. But wherever you are in this, he can fill in a lot of cracks for you, tell you if you're on the right track, and make you very confident in things you're saying, even though his voice isn't in it. And there's huge value in that. And it's yeah. not as good as having him on it, but it's pretty valuable. Yeah, I'll have to give it a listen at, at some point. Um, I've got this thing I, where my, you know, so I'm not subscribed to many podcasts. I'm subscribed to us. But, I, you know, I'm list, I've listened to maybe 10 minutes of the last episode. Now, when I go to listen to it in my car on the way home, it may or may not be there, Apple Podcasts. And it might be back on an Outkick 360 episode, which I don't listen to because I happen to be part of the show. <laughs> And so we want you to listen to the I'm podcast. Everyone to out it. there, I'm not Paul necessarily. I'm subscribed to it because it's good for us that I'm subscribed to it. But it's pissing me off that I have to keep going and resetting myself on this. I think it's an Apple Podcast issue, and I, I don't care for it. I it, it is so difficult for me to figure out, and this is not just a problem with my old iPhone, but on Apple Podcasts, getting it to where it just goes to the next episode yes, automatically not doing that. is impossible. And I've heard four different ways to do it. You know, like setting your settings up a certain way and doing all this and going. And every time I do it, it may work one time. Should be natural. And it immediately reverts to an episode ends. And guess what happens? It starts over again with that episode. Yes, it I've heard it. It does not go to the next episode. Where is your intuitive I, logic? I don't understand why that happens. Maybe someone that's a big Spotify person can sell me on Spotify being better that way. And playing the next episode, but I've always been from day one an Apple podcast person. And I wonder... But I subscribe to something, and then it goes back to the episode I just listened to. And I wonder when it goes back to the episode that you just listened to, if it's playing five or ten seconds while you're shuffling to go find the next one, if they're getting credit for two listens from you. It's just odd to me that the default isn't just to go By the, the way, next episode. By the way, that's happening without Kick360, we accept. Well, but you, you see what I'm saying. Like, How is it not the default to just get to the next episode like it is on every streaming service and I don't understand. Else. I'm having the same issue right now. Automatically going to that. Spot. Another thing that since we're on stuff that annoys us with technology, uh, when you're on a streaming service and instead of, most of the time it'll go, it'll give you the preview, you know, next episode, click now or whatever to go to it. But there are times where it's usually when you finish a season of something, it automatically goes to a different show, right? Like right. it's kicking you to something that may be similar or like showing that. And yeah. I, I, I hate that. Like, let me decide. Well, I, I understand putting that. it up there on the preview screen of, you know, suggesting things I might like and seeing that, but don't just automatically go to the, the Otherwise, show. it's going to go dead. 
I understand that. That's them pushing product. Very hey, hey kid, you want to taste? Yeah. What about this documentary? What about this murder mystery uh, that happened? I got that going on right now with Jacob Swanson, who's pushing me on a volcano documentary because he knows I like the Hubble telescope, and he somehow decide, oh, you like science? You like the Hubble telescope? You're going to... I, I think he's got a stake in this uh, did volcano. You, did you start watching it? No. I no. mean, I, I put it on my list. I'll watch it someday, but I'm not watching it immediately. I thought you were going to say Jacob's our resident murder expert, which he probably is. He when is. he says murder mystery, I'm like, oh, I bet Jacob knows a few good murder Somebody mysteries. Somebody recommended to me, uh, I know exactly who, uh, the Lincoln Lawyer as a, as a show, and we watched yeah, said the first episode you were start of watching that, it. and it wasn't great. I want something great right now. I need you something want something new to grab you from episode great. one. Yes, to grab me by the throat. I, I will give you a recommendation, Paul, and I do this uh, with a lot of hesitation. I you and I have a lot of shows that we yeah, like but I, I, I do this with hesitation because I love this show now, and I like the first episode, but I think you might like it also. But I don't know that I would praise it as something that immediately grabs. I need you. Teresa to like it also. Slow horses. On Apple TV. What's that about? Slow Horses has Gary Oldman, Olivia Cook. It is a terrific cast. It's based on a series of novels. It is a British spy show. I like British spy shows. It is a show that, you know, Gary Oldman is not some slick James Bond type okay. British spy. I don't need it is about Slough House in London, which is where they send all of the secret agents who screw up. Okay. And this is where they basically store them. It's all the screw-ups in MI6, I think, is the uh, the agency. I like that. In, in the show. That's a but good premise. Slow Horses. I'm four episodes in. It's a nice little mystery at the heart of it. Uh, there's you know intrigue about wh- what characters are doing what. Uh, I'll give you that recommendation I like right the now. sound of it. I'll say this, though. I prefer Fast Horses. Yeah. No, that it's not a. Uh, once I heard the name and of fast it, shows. I was listening to a podcast that suggested I'm thinking this isn't the name isn't the title's not bringing me in. That's for sure. But when I, I heard Gary Oldman and I heard the premise, I'm thinking, okay, this has this has some potential. All right, make it happen. Well, if my wife sits down tonight, which she does some nights and other nights she does not, if she sits down tonight, I'll put it on. We hope everyone out there is comfortable right now, and uh, we're going to get nice and cozy and talk a little golf when we come back. Rob Bolton is with PGATour.com and Golf Bet at Rob Bolton Golf. We'll talk British Open, everything that's happened today, what to expect moving forward now. We'll talk a little live golf as well. That's all coming up next. This is Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Welcome back, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, live from our 6th and Peabody Studios, downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine, and Yeehaw Beer. Alongside Paul Koharski, I'm Chad Withrow, trying to connect with Rob Bolton of PGATour.com. So we'll talk some British Open coming up. Uh, right now, you can go to Outkick.com, read my latest column about the SEC juice meter. What is a juice meter, you ask? My juice meter is a combination of recruiting rankings for the upcoming year, also um, transfer portal, buzz around a program, uh, off-field incidents or lack thereof, combining everything into that, and I go through who's got the most juice, the most momentum around each program in the SEC. So you can check that out at outkick.com right Who now. has, in fact, the most juice and momentum, Chad? There was a tie at the top. Uh, Arkansas and Tennessee have the most juice and momentum. Arkansas did very well in the transfer portal. And, um, and I combined transfer portal from this past season coming onto the roster this year with um, uh, recruiting for 2023 and how it's going. Currently, Tennessee has got the best recruiting class in the SEC. They also have 18 commitments. So Alabama, I want to say, is like 12th or 13th in the country, but they have like eight commitments. So there's going to be a lot of movement, right, with these programs that are going to add guys later than others. So that's not to say Tennessee is going to end with the best recruiting class, but as we do it right now, they have the top recruiting class in the SEC. Um, look, I think juice matters to an extent in the offseason because you are ultimately judged by 16, 17-year-old kids that are going to decide the fate of your program because those are the recruits you're going after. So what the perception is does matter across football. It does not matter as much as what happens on Saturdays in the fall. So I, I preface it with all of that. But even right now, it does matter. And it matters for the schools that I listed. A bottom on my juice meter, Paul, was Auburn at a two. And um, that no is because they have four commitments. Tennessee's got 18 for the upcoming year. They have four because of all the uncertainty around Brian Harson. And something else that jumped out to me, Paul, is... Even Vandy has more juice than them? Vandy has, I think, a 4.5 on the juice meter. Vandy, believe it or not, is like eighth in the SEC in recruiting. That's very, very good for Vandy. For the 2023 class, they're borderline top 25 or 30 nationally in their current 2023 recruiting class. So kids who will play their senior year upcoming and be coming in next year. Uh, I'm being told we are joined now by Rob Bolton of PGATour.com and Golf Bet. Rob, appreciate you hopping on with us to talk a little British Open. Thank you so much. Not hearing him, so we'll try to reconnect with him and see what's going on. I'm not hearing Rob at all. So we'll, we'll keep going. So I wanted to continue on the juice. You gave Georgia an eight, but you said not much is going on, except that they are supremely good at recruiting. So 
Well, here's the thing with Georgia. They um, they lost one player right after the season to Alabama, a receiver. I don't think they've lost another transfer. Now, they haven't brought anyone in either, which is remarkable. But when you're the defending national champion that's returning your starting quarterback and you have that level of stability, the juice is good. It's auto juice. Because, well, there's so much consistency within your program that, you know, that that's worked out well for them. Um Remarkably, Paul, again, you can read the story at outkick.com, how much I had to look through transfer portal data. Now, that's really the new thing now with college football. It's not just as easy as looking at recruiting. For example, Ole Miss is one of the worst recruiting teams right now currently for high school recruits for next year. They're number one in America in the transfer portal with the amount of players they've added. So uh, I think it, it's in large part a strategy of Lane Kiffin we're going to go hard in the transfer portal, Game get immediate contributors, and not worry as much about high school recruiting. Immediate, more experienced uh, help. Yes, which is uh, which is not a bad. You don't thing. have to coach them up to the same degree, and um, you know they should be pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see how he can translate that at Ole Miss as compared to other programs counting on high school guys. And then, of course, if you're Georgia, you know you, you're you're stacked already, so you don't need. Uh, the, the newcomers to contribute immediately. All right, we're going to try this again. Uh, we're going to try to connect with Rob Bolton, PGATour.com. Rob, are you there? Can you hear us? Rob is talking, but we are not hearing him on our end. So we'll move on and try to figure that out. Um, Paul, for those that you know, bet on Tiger Wood coming into the British Open... Uh, it's a mistake. Not, not not good coming in. But you did nail it yesterday. You said he's not going to make the cut. Wasn't that your, your I did. prediction? I just thought that based on the fact that he was uh, riding in a cart um, about 10 days ago at the um, Pro-Am that he played in over there, saying that he was conserving everything in order to get himself uh, in max condition in order to be ready for the British Open, that um, it was going to be – uh, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that he was going to come out, play great guns, and, and be ready to go and make the cut. And so my gut feeling was that he was not going to be able to do that. Who'd you bet on in this? I bet on – let me pull it up here. I'm I know I bet on uh, – no one that's doing very, very good right now. I, Jordan Spieth was on my list. Colin Morikawa. Um, there were a number of uh, people that are not performing well right now uh, in this tournament. So I pulled one, one from the past who's played well over there, Louis Oosthuizen. So uh, I, I, I like him. I always uh, my two guys, Tommy Fleetwood. I did stick with, though I went away from Cameron Smith for some reason. I just kind of forgot about him. Terrell or Tyrell Hatton. Yep. Who, who was doing all right today for a while. I don't know where he finished. That's another one of my guys. So looking forward to that. I got a big parlay on baseball tonight that I thought would yield the bigger dividend, uh, but it's all likely to happen things. So I've only got 23 buck payout on a five bet, but it'll have me interested in more baseball games tonight, including the Astros, the Reds, um, against the Yankees, and the Brewers, Corbin Burns, I'm counting on to strike out a lot of people tonight. Paul, uh, the, so StatCast stuff, a lot of times I don't care about it. I know you're more into it than, than I am. But with baseball, some of the things fascinates me. Example, I love seeing the distance traveled by an outfielder to make a play. Yeah, I like that. And seeing like the quickest line, but seeing that the, the visually, 
but also knowing the fastest guys in the league at covering ground in the outfield is great. This is one that jumped out to me recently. Uh, this is story at the Athletic. But O'Neill Cruz, the six foot seven shortstop. I've not phenom, seen him play yet. I've seen him a little bit, and it is a fun watch when you watch him play the game. Six seven shortstop, O'Neill Cruz, top prospect for the Pirates, recently got called up and has been playing. He threw Paul the fastest, the fastest throw ever recorded in the Statcast era from his shortstop position: ninety seven point eight mile per hour throw to first base and a strike to first. That is the type of stat that I love to see. So I, I makes me wonder, like, what's an average throw from shortstop on a, a you know a hotly contested? Like, I've got to beat the runner here. I wonder what the average throw is because that's a very good fastball right there from shortstop. Well, and I wonder too. Um, I'd love to see the actual play that it happened on. Was it like a bobble situation, or was he? pretty far back where you had to make a quick throw yeah. or was it just a standard ground ball throwing a strike at almost 98 miles per hour? I'm picturing him being in the hole and needing, needing to fire it there. Uh, story from basketball recruiting that's been making the rounds today. Uh, top player in the country, point guard, Gigi Smith, is expected to – he's been committed to North Carolina for a while. He's expected – to decommit from North Carolina, and then he's going to early enroll at South Carolina in basketball. So big get for South Carolina, big blow to North Carolina's recruiting. That's uh, an unusual jump. Yes. I wonder, uh, wonder what prompted that. Did you see that Rashard Anderson, the former Panthers first-round running back, died at 45? I saw this. This is a disturbing trend uh, with uh, football players, so, young football players. So this makes just in recent weeks, really, uh, Dwayne Haskins, Jeff Gladney, Marion Barber III, Jalen Ferguson, and Tony Siragusa plus Rashard Anderson. So one, two, three, four, five, six guys. I, I feel like former football players – um, now, you know, I don't have a sampling to put it against. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, young men die, 45-year-old types. But it seems like... Um, Way too many of these stories yeah, recently. It, it seems like a lot. Marion Barber, you know, is known for um, training at, in high heat, and he died from heat exhaustion or dehydration or something like that. He had the temperature in his house or his apartment turned up to like 85 degrees and was working out and died from that, which is uh, bizarre and incredibly sad. Jalen Ferguson had uh, some kind of drug uh, usage as his. I don't think we've, we've gotten the verdict. It was a, on, a fentanyl overdose. Yeah, on Tony Siragusa. Uh, we know the Dwayne Haskins uh, case here. We'll wait to hear about Rashard Anderson. But um, that's a lot of guys. Yeah, too many. Is it, is it definitely disproportionate to the rest of the population? I would think so, especially for seemingly healthy, you know, athletic types uh, for that. By the way, I said Gigi Smith. Gigi Jackson is the number one player in the country for the 2023 class that decommitted from North Carolina and is going to sign with hometown South Carolina. Well, Lamont Paris, by the way, is the uh, the new coach at South Carolina coming over from uh, UT Chattanooga. 
where he was before. So big get for a first-year head coach at South Carolina to get the, the top high school prospect in America. That's big. So big news for them. And strike up Hutton's O's. The Orioles now 10 in a row. They are above 500. Paul, you brought up the fact that everyone in the AL East is 500 or better. Now, now I think they're, they're a, game, a game or two over 500 now for the Orioles. I don't know that if they're any good, but they're on quite the run, uh, giving their fans a little bit of hope, which has been few and far between in recent years. They can't have beaten each other up too badly here with, uh, with records like that, though the Yankees have beaten everybody. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's an impressive feat. I think it'd be something if, if the entire wild card field is out of one division now that there are three wild cards. No doubt about it. Let's do this. We'll go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll finish up the show. Got a big topic coming your way when we come back. This is Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Chad Withrow, Paul Kaharski with you on this Thursday. Got a big show coming up for you tomorrow. Bobby Carpenter, Tom Luganbill, two of our guests. Paul, we got All-Star Week uh, next week across Major League Baseball. A home run derby, which I know you love because of the back, 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 back. That's that's your draw to it, right? Chris Berman destroyed it for me forever. I think that the uh, home run derby, the dunk contest, all of that should be suspended for five years. Go away. Create some desire for it. Create the buzz. bug flying around my head. Um, Yeah. I just think we've seen everything that can happen, so now take it away. And then when you give it back, there'll be a celebration because we'll we'll have missed it. I'm going to go through the list of participants. To me, there's one just huge name that immediately jumped out that I want to see in the Home Run Derby, but you tell me your level of excitement about each of these players, okay? And try to remove bias because the first one I'm going to tell you, you'll have some bias Should I use our scale of five or our scale of ten? Let's do a scale of ten. Okay. On this one. For this exercise, a scale of 10. 2022 Major League Baseball home run derby field. Here we go. Pete Alonzo of the Mets. Nine. Nice. Two-time winner, right? Yeah. Well, and that's what that's his thing. Yeah. The Mets are basically a team that has one guy who hits home runs. And, uh, and, and no, they're and great he's, pitching. He's terrific in this event. Yes. Juan Soto of the Nationals. Three. Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves. Six. Albert Pujols of the Cardinals. Eight. See, this would be a 10. But I, I think this is a 10 for me because it's the emotional favorite, right? Well, the I guy think, that's get, being handed a, a gift at the end of his career to be in this event. do terribly. Yeah, I think so too. But, man, it'd be great. That's why it's an eight because I'm expecting disappointment. The last home run derby I truly remember being a spectacle was Josh Hamilton in his yeah, comeback. that was big. When he just went crazy that one year, and that was one everyone was tuning into, and that was – Early social media, I feel like people, you know, rushing to their televisions to watch. I think it live. Alonzo two years ago was big. 
somehow that one struck me. Yeah, so Albert Pujols could be that type of story for this. So I, I'll that's probably my top one in terms of interest in watching this, but I'm with you. I don't think he does well. Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies. Three. And finally, Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. One. You, you, my just initial reaction to this, and I'm a fan of a team in the NL East, way too NL East heavy. you got Pete Alonso, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, and Kyle Schwarber. Half of the field is in the NL East. Half of the eight are from the NL East. they got to take who can they, they can get. That is, uh, that's not something that's going to excite me. Um, but I'll probably watch. I'll, I'll tune in at least for a little bit of it. Paul, soft tissue injuries. Uh, it's We're not going AO? That's it. Oh, that's it? Yeah, I did I AO. thought Stanton was in it. That's the field of eight because uh, the uh, Guardians guy's in there. Okay, last I heard, yeah, uh, you're right. Last I heard, uh, Stanton was contemplating, so I guess his contemplation is, is over. Unless I was expecting another, like, uh, that was how many? Six or eight? I was expecting another six or eight. Yeah, that was, that was it. Okay. As far as I was I surprised that it's over. Soft tissue injuries, though, Paul. Um, this is a, obviously a concern of coaches out there, fans of teams as well, uh, can really set you back early in camp. And uh, you were talking about how this is the time of year that because there's not as much team activity, team workout, everything else, Avoiding soft tissue injuries early in camp is on the player on their own at this point. Well, I wrote this Titans specifically at my site last week because it was such an issue for the Titans last year. I mean, they had a slew of guys and a a slew of key guys. A.J. Brown, who's now gone. Julio Jones, who's now gone. Chief amongst them who dealt with hamstring injuries. David Long. Uh, the the linebacker who missed a bunch of games um, and as a real problem, but it's a real problem around the league. And Mike Vrabel kept saying that, Hey, this isn't just us. This isn't just us. And, and the league confirmed that with some numbers, but you know, nothing crushes a fan base like a key guy going down with a hamstring or a calf or a groin or a quad injury early in camp. And Vrabel and other people have said this, that, that the time periods that concern them the most are that time after the season's over and after guys take a little time off from then until OTAs or guys who aren't at OTAs to minicamp until they get to check in. And then that time from minicamp until uh, reporting to camp when guys are on their own and do they do the right things in that time where the team does not have any control or check-in power over them. One of the things Vrabel said is, you know, they instructed guys, you know, they expect them to run at 90% of their max at some point during that, you know, ramping up to that or maintaining that and other things like that. And I talked to uh, the Titans' former strength coach, who's a big figure here um, for a long time, Steve Waterson, who said, you know, the thing about these guys having their own personal trainers is that's all well and good that you have your personal trainer. But you could say no to your personal trainer. You know, Chad, if you're my trainer and you say, today we're going to do this, this, and this, I'm your boss. And I might say... It's like your agent, like for yeah, Freddie Freeman. Right. You work for me, right? I'll, I'll say, do what I say. Well, what about not C? I don't feel like doing C today. Let's do something else. And so if, I, if you're guiding me, but ultimately I'm your boss, and I say no to something, I, you know, you might have my best interest at heart, and you might be helping me avoid hamstring stuff, but... If I say no to a couple things, am I really doing the right things to get prepped about that hamstring? 
Or if I tell you as my trainer, you know, I really want to be uh, upper body stronger. Are we doing the right things for my hamstrings and stuff? And so I do think these are crucial weeks, and we're down to really two weeks now, um, but there have been several weeks before. Are guys doing the right things to help ensure? Because you know in the first week and in the first two weeks of camp, you and Hutton and I are going to be sitting here, and there are going to be news about premier players in the league, skilled players in the league who are sidelined by, by hamstrings in particular, but these other injuries that – have long-term consequences. And it's not just the guy's out for two weeks and he'll be back and he'll be fine. For some of them, it'll be like that. But for other ones, you know, if Traylon Burks suffers one for the Titans, he's going to miss two weeks and then they're going to add a third week to make sure he's okay. And he's going to miss a whole bunch of time that's crucial for him to get in sync for that team to be able to play a role where he's offsetting the loss of A.J. Brown. And what are we going to say? You're just saying this guy's going to be behind all season and it's going to set him back. One hamstring injury to the wrong guy for the wrong team sets a whole bunch of stuff back. And so, you know, they're not unavoidable, but they're more avoidable than they have been around the league. And teams are busting their humps to try to get guys to do the right things. And then, you know, this whole first couple days of camp is this ramp up period. And it sounds like BS, and we're going to be bored the first couple days of camp with watching what we're watching and seeing the B-roll that we're seeing rolling in from the TV stations and ESPN and everything. But they're doing it for a reason. And fans and fantasy football players and everybody else got to be crossing their fingers that it goes down from last year and not up. And I can't – maybe I'm being too harsh here, but I can't help but think anytime – and you tell me if I am – guys get injured – you see the injury happen, it's not their fault most of the time when an injury happens. Anytime there's a soft tissue injury early in camp, I can't help but think it's absolutely that player's fault well, for not coming in ready, not being ready. Here's an example. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I bet you there's a way smaller percentage of soft tissue injuries early in college football camps than NFL camps. Why? Because they're in team-related activities all offseason. Yeah. They are on campus. They are working out with the same trainers. They're stretching the same way. They're doing workouts all off-season together, and there's no variation of it. And because of that, I feel like there are far less soft tissue injuries than in the NFL game. Well, I think fans love to fire, do the fire the trainer thing. Oh, here we go again, fire the trainer. Well, if somebody comes in and pulls a hamstring in the first five days, the trainer's had the guy for five days. He's I, been I away trainers, for five or six weeks. So like you're saying, I'm more prone to put it on, what have you been doing for the last five weeks? Not what have you done for the last five days? And I think trainers in the NFL, especially the NFL, their value is way overrated because all these guys have their own, the personal trainer is more important. Yeah, and their value the is in what they tell the guy when he's here to do while he's away. Now, are you listening to me? Well, not I, only I, that, I can't I mean, control if you're listening to me. Just, you know, in-season maintenance is their value. But I'm never going to blame the trainer the or strength the strength coach. coach. Yeah, not trainer is probably the wrong way to put yeah. it. I'm not going to blame the professional strength coach. Strength coach at the college level in every sport is very important. Yeah. It's key. And he's got a lot more time. It's an important position. Guy. I would buy more of the fans saying our strength coach is bad in college because they're more important and have a bigger impact. In the NFL – to me, it's all on the player and what they do to get ready and ramp up for a camp. And when I, I see a soft tissue injury, I just can't help but think, and again, 
Might be unfair of me, but it's where my mind goes that this is an injury that is the player's fault, ultimately. I tend to feel that way, too. And uh, especially if you're a repeat offender, like you should learn your lesson, I feel like. Like if you've had one, then you've got to learn how to maintain. And the guys I talked to this offseason when I asked about what you changed, well, David Long said, you know, he, he got a person, which I presume is a, is a masseuse or stretch help. But I don't think that's what they're looking for so much as the team when they send people off, as you changing your habits and approach. And I didn't get a lot of guys saying, you know what, I've completely re- revamped my offseason program and what I do when I'm away from here, which makes me a little scared for, for this team in particular. But league, I know it's a league-wide thing. Paul, we got into this a little bit with John McClain earlier in the week, but can you take me through the process of how Bud Adams still is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Because he is one of the two biggest figures with Lamar Hunt in the formation of the AFL, which is a seismic shift in NFL history because of the merger. Well, part of it has been what doors have been opened to him, and so that's changed predating my time. I'm going I'm in year eight or nine of, of being on the selection committee. And this is my first year being on one of the subcommittees, which is now a coach slash contributor committee. So I'm, I'm more linked to, to his chances. And he's one of 29 based on ties semifinalists, but only one person out of that coach slash contributor committee will ultimately be put in for, uh, before the entire selection committee. So one of those 29 will get into the Hall of Fame unless he doesn't get 80% of the vote of the entire committee, which is very rare. But at different times, there have been different paths for somebody like Bud Adams to get in. So there, there have been years where contributors haven't been eligible to get in and, and different cycles. Look, I, I think John summed it up very well. You know, there, there have been times where what, what Bud really needs is a spokesman to, to speak for him, and the main sp- spokespeople for him are dead. Lamar Hunt, Al Davis, Ralph Wilson. Really hearing from them, and they're all three Hall of Famers, would help. Now hearing from their offspring maybe would help, but the Hunt family doesn't seem eager to do it. Um, I don't know. The Wilson family doesn't own uh, the Bills anymore, and I don't know that the, where they are or what they're doing or what, what kind of stories they would have, how attached they were to Ralph to have those. I don't know what Mark Davis's you know, knowledge of his father's stuff would be. So there are fewer and fewer people to me who could tell Bud's story from the interior. John McClain's one of the best people to yeah. do it. And he said you know, when he really spelled it out for the Centennial Committee – he felt like it fell on deaf ears. A lot of people have the image of Bud flipping those double birds, being eccentric. He gave up his powers when he brought the Titans here. He kind of then said, I'll vote with the commissioner on everything. So he wasn't a very influential owner after that. My initial feeling about his case was that he, he, he gave up even his, his impact on the league with that by for the last 20 years of his ownership not saying I won't be of influence in exchange for you letting me move to Nashville and it took me some time to learn his case so I just think there are people queued up in front of him I would put him fourth or fifth on this ballot maybe third uh, and I think he's still got a chance 
but um, I don't know. We got to get crazy some to mounting that, interest there. You know, in every every history of the NFL that you read, will have him and Lamar Hunt joined at the hip in the most influential thing to happen to the league. You know, early on, in 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 the merger in growing the league, but yet it's almost as if that's forgotten because for no Super Bowl. You know, the double birds, you mentioned that, and, and you laid it out well, Paul, all the reasons why he's overlooked, but I just feel like that was enough. Yeah. Just that early moment, that Bud Adams, having that big of an influence on what is now the NFL with the merger would get him in. And Lamar but it hasn't I, I mean, if you look it, at it, some of the other people. It's fascinating to me that it hasn't happened. If you look at some of the other people on this list, like the guy who invented the Cowboys star is, is a candidate on this list. Now, he was an equipment manager. I'm sure he's a great equipment manager. But there's a great equipment manager with every team. So this is a guy who was an influential equipment manager for the Cowboys who drew the star. Well, I mean, that's a significant thing in league history, but how significant? It's not nearly as significant as what Bud Adams did. There's no way that guy could get in ahead of Bud Adams. To me, there's no way that guy could get in. And he's on the contributors list. It's crazy. It's crazy that Bud Adams and the guy who designed the star for the Cowboys are on the same list, and Bud Adams isn't advanced past that list to me. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens, but that's definitely one to follow, especially for uh, Titans, Oilers fans out there. Paul, Will you watch British Open tomorrow? Like, Are you waking I, up, I'll, early I'll up early to watch it? Yeah, I, I, I get up early anyways, get up early. but I'm up by 6.37. All right, so your family's day, so gone. Turn it on. You won't wake up later with your family gone and no family obligations? Uh, maybe like an hour later. But I still, I just automatically get up early. So I'll get, uh, here's what I'll do. I'll get up, I'll make me some coffee, and I'll turn it on. And it'll be background music to me. And I'll watch what's happening with the British Open. Are the a, Yankees in action tonight? Is that what you'll be doing? Or are they off today? I, I believe they're in action, but I'm not positive. Okay. I'm going to stop on my way home, buy some steaks, go home, and grill some steak. I thought about doing the exact same thing. I have to mow my yard tonight, but I thought about on the way home, grabbing a steak for myself, solo, marinating it, mowing the yard, and then grilling the steak. That's a short marination. It's a very short marination, but it's, it, short marination is better than no marination. Sometimes just salt and that's pepper a, that's doesn't, a, John. That's a theme for this show, too. Short marination, better than no marination at all. I don't know that I concur. We got a fun show ready for you tomorrow. Bobby Carpenter, Tom Lugan, Bill will join in on the fun as we close out the week in style. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. However you consume Outkick 360, we thank you for consuming this program. And on the way out, Paul always has a word for the people. We invite you to read along. Don't block the box, but kindly lock your locks. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya.